Hello, hello, and welcome back to another week of DQ with Damani. I'm your host, Bedstar's favorite son, every Dominican's cruiserweight dynamite stick, Damani Mater. This past weekend's fights defied expectations, both negatively and positively. Aside from just the fights, a whole lot of mouthing off on social media has occurred within the lightweight division. Last episode's takes on the WBC and Pitbull aged very well, seeing as how Shakur is still digitally pouring on signals of discontent. Reading them for myself, I can understand why Shakur is so impatient. The WBC promised him a direct road to the title, and that hasn't happened at all. Instead of jumping at the opportunity to build a legacy fight, Pitbull and his father want a much different walk to the belt, thirsting after a rematch with Tank. The public deserves another Shakur-Stevenson fight soon, but it seems like that won't be happening. Virtually, before we move on to anything else, I would like to remind everyone of the state of the 140-pound division. Once upon a time on my birthday, Josh Taylor was the undisputed super lightweight champion of the world. Then, of course, as we all know, disaster struck. Taylor was given a highly contested win over strong challenger Jack Catterall, whose performance many believe deserved victory. After this fight in February, Josh Taylor was hit with a slew of abuse on social media, with boxing pundits and analysts criticizing the commissions involved with the fight, in addition to some fans completely omitting Taylor from their pound-for-pound lists, which are subjective of course, mostly because of the fight. Surprisingly, instead of supporting Taylor's request for a rematch, the WBC, WBA, and IBF continuously pressured Taylor to fight his mandatory opponents. Have no idea why this happened to this day. The sanctioning bodies did not stand by Josh Taylor's quest to redeem himself, and of course, once again as we all know, he vacated his WBC, WBA, and IBF Super Lightweight Championships as a result. This freed the WBC belt up for Regis Progre, the man who had fallen from grace during the World Boxing Super Series against Taylor. I personally believe that Progre was robbed because he was in a different country, of course Scotland, pushing the judges heavily towards Taylor instead of being fair. Still vengeful, Prograce came from his loss and destroyed all of his future opposition, earning himself a three-fight knockout streak. Of course, after demolishing Tyrone McKenna versus much of the boxing world, Progray lobbied for a shot at the WBC belt that was once his. This, my friends, brings us to this past Saturday's main event. Jose Zapata had challenged for the WBC belt twice already, so going into the fight there was little speculation as to whether or not Zapata was a battle-tested contender in the lightweight division. In fact, Zapata could be considered one of the best warriors at 140 after this match. He gave Progray and the crowd all he could until he met his untimely defeat by knockout. Progre was progressively pressuring Zapata, with the crowd chanting Mexico, slowly beginning to die. They went out fast as soon as they realized Zapata wasn't going to be able to pull this one off. They realized Progre wasn't going to stop blasting Zapata with his counter and body shots, and although Zapata returned fire to Progre's own body, he was unable to bring a complete halt to the assault. At one point during the fight, both men were so tired that they began leaning on each other just to trade blows. It was truly a super lightweight title match of the era, showcasing just how badly each man wanted to win. They put it all on the line, and I have nothing but respect for Zapata and Progres both for risking it all. Despite all of the media turning away from him, Regis Progre won over the boxing world once again in one night. Hopefully, Progre can unify his belt with the WBA belt 
and take on Josh Taylor one day soon. The heavyweight division cleared some much-needed space on the same day of Zepeda and Progre's Hall of Fame matchup. Unfortunately, it came at the cost of the integrity of international boxing as a whole. I'll say that again. This fight came at the cost of the integrity of international boxing. Dillian, the body snatcher white, got a majority decision victory over Jermaine Franklin, an American challenger who gave the Jamaican-born Brit a long battle for heavyweight contention. This fight went all 12 rounds. It was said time and time again on the broadcast that the winner of this match would go on to face Anthony Joshua for a heavyweight title eliminator, which nearly and clearly tipped the media odds in White's favor. However, the match could not have gone any differently than the media expected. From the opening round, it seemed Franklin would not stop coming forward. White could do little to stop the pressure other than raise a defensively sound cross guard and drop a counter right hand over the top. If it wasn't for White's smart defense, it would have definitely given the impression that Jermaine Franklin was walking him down against the ropes. Each time Franklin was discouraged from moving inside with a right hand, he responded by attempting to land a series of combination shots. To the judges, of course, Franklin's shots were grazing and glancing over the target, hitting White's arms and shoulders similar to Canelo Alvarez. Of course, this negatively affected the scoring. The cards revealed a 115-115 draw from judge number one. The other two judges naturally ruled in favor of Dillian White, which the public felt he did not deserve due to his lack of activity aside from counters throughout the fight. This also reflected itself through crowd reactions. Many booed at the result and cheered when Franklin and his team exploded during their post-fight interview. Franklin maintained the fact that he was robbed by the biased judges which is unsurprising considering he is an American fighting away from home. Just earlier, I mentioned Regis Prograde being robbed when he went abroad, so this is more than just a coincidence. There has been a history of American fighters being scored negatively simply because they are the B-side fighter, or in many cases, simply just being the fighter not native to the venue. It's a shame we have another case like this on our hands, but there is little that can be done from the outside. Change must come from within. And the judges, as well as commission presidents, need to be held accountable for their actions. There have been more than enough protests on social media to get their attention, so the weight of responsibility is no longer on the public. In fact, it never was. The fact that I can list more than a handful of fighters who had similar experiences to Jermaine Franklin is beyond disappointing. I am beyond disappointed in my sport. Although he walked away from this fight, with Dillian White, with a loss on his record, I hope Jermaine Franklin can fight for a major title soon. He has the talent to give many larger heavyweights trouble, especially one such as Anthony Joshua. He's clearly not afraid to dive into exchanges with taller fighters, a feature of other heavyweights such as Andy Ruiz. Jermaine Franklin smells like danger because he isn't an easy walk in the park for just any fighter in the division. He can make the best of the best look like amateurs if given the chance. And I sincerely hope he gets another big opportunity on the world stage once again. To Jermaine Franklin and his team, thank you very much for giving us a classic heavyweight matchup. Coming hot off the heels of the white fight, we've got Fury and Chisora for the WBC Heavyweight Championship. This is the third time the two giants will meet in the ring which has caused a problem for many fans invested in Fury and Chisora's careers. 
It seems that people would like to see Chizora and Fury fight other opponents in the heavyweight division, which brings up names such as Joe Joyce. Some people have completely dismissed Chizora's legitimacy in the heavyweight title picture using terms such as exit fight and in the most extreme cases, corruption. I, for one, do not believe this is accurate to what's actually happening behind the scenes. In fact, I believe it is the exact opposite. I believe Tyson Fury is using his platform, belt, and influence to give fighters big chances at life-changing paydays, similar to Conor McGregor in a way. Although MMA and boxing have different pay grades and marketing because of how fighters are treated, from promotion to promotion, Conor McGregor's red panty night definitely gave Fury some ideas. Chizora can still compete at the highest level of heavyweight competition, but the more saturated the division becomes, I feel it just increases the difficulty to match him up with other contenders who want his spot. He's fought and lost to Dillian White twice, fought Pulev twice, and also fought Joe Parker twice. That should tell you more than enough. As many of the old legends of the sport would say, take a number and get in line. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. We've got a funny bit this time around, or we could really say our first comedy piece, if we're being honest here. Chris Eubank Jr. He took the stage to address the public on his freshest test to date, hoping to move up the ranks against Liam Smith. Smith took a crushing loss to Canelo Alvarez, as we all know, some time ago, as did his brother. It seems Liam will serve as a stepping stone for Eubank, especially considering the fact that Conor Ben and his matchup was supposed to set each of them up for a world title with a win against the other. Obviously, that didn't happen. Sadly, the fight really never made it to the finish line, never came to fruition, as I reported on the very first episode of the show. However, Eubank is still in good spirits. Many people expected him to be discouraged, but he set the record straight on that fight and his current one. In fact, Eubank poked fun at the entire situation in a creative way. Arriving to the venue, fans and media noticed that Chris was wearing a KFC jacket. A strange choice for a fighter making a press conference appearance before a major fight. But when he was confronted by the media, this is what Chris had to say. Just listen, this man is pure comedy. Awesome brand. I ate KFC in my build up towards the Connor fight and I made weight. When they asked me to join the team, Absolutely. They're sponsoring me now. They're supplying me with unlimited amounts of KFC. It's a beautiful partnership, and I'm, I'm, I'm privileged to be a part of it. The trolling from Chris Eubank Jr. is just on a different level. We thought Adrian Boner was, was, was different, but this man, Chris Eubank Jr., he knows how to get it to your head. Using the KFC brand to troll both Conor Ben and the middleweight division, super middleweight division, it's just genius. I can't wait to see Chris Eubank Jr. back in the ring. January 21st, 2023. Once again, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of DQ with Demonia. We're down to the last month of the year, which means we've got a lot to look forward to in the boxing world. I'm excited to see Tyson Fury get the job done against Dirk Chisora. Hopefully... We get the undisputed fight next against Alexander Usyk. This is your host, Damani Mater, signing off. Have a blessed day.